during this time where the government is telling us, hey guys, there's a pandemic, like we have not dealt with this in any of your lifetimes. It is important that you stay home. People are just like, but I'm not going to though. I'm just not going to. You're listening to Find the Good News, episode 79, The One Hour Mountain, a COVID-19 Beacon Series conversation featuring Diana Vallette. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Today, human beings all over the world are making social and economic sacrifices to stop the spread of the coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19. Now, I'm going back to visit with many of the good newsy guests that helped build the foundation of this show to learn how they're navigating these strange times. In this special Beacon Series episode, I visit with my spiritual sister, ally, and friend, Diana Vallette. My proximity to Diana mostly begins and ends with social media apps, and yet, I feel like I really do know her. From my perspective, one of Diana's great gifts is her ability to self-reflect and then share her discoveries with little to no filter. Since the time I connected with Diana online, I feel like I've watched her go through a series of changes, and that's one of her other great gifts. She allows herself to change. I could tell you that I wanted to talk to her as a part of this series because I wanted her perspective on homeschooling or spin a yarn that it was because of her spiritual contemplations. The truth is, both of those things are true. But honestly, I just wanted to talk to her. And I'm glad I did. Diana opens a door and makes a safe space for people to explore their spiritual boundaries. And that's a place I like to hang out. Full disclosure, I needed this conversation. It was invigorating, exciting, and I could feel my heart and mind connecting throughout our talk. I learned yet again that people may be physically distant, but when the spirit connects them, they are never far apart. With this COVID-19 Beacon series, I invite you to take a break from mainstream news and spend some time with good people that are dealing with some of the same struggles you are. Now, seek out that inner space, relax, open your mind, and press play on a little good news. Wake up this morning Dreaming up a story I can hear The way it's going Cause you're laughing in your sleep On the path to your deliverance And a holy ball of light Through your window Old news, bad news, fake news Sometimes you want to shut those signals down and seek a better source. With my Find the Good News Beacon series, I tune into good people doing good works wherever I can find them. I scan across the full spectrum of life, seeking out human beings that have turned their dials towards helping others, aligning their time, resources, and talents with goodness, justice, mercy, and love. In each episode, I sync up with the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have dynamic conversations that invigorate the mind long after our transmission has ended. I discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that have anchored them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of background noise in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm cutting through the static to find the good. I don't know what all 
you got on your plate today, but I do appreciate you taking the time to visit with me over here in my little uh, uh, quarantine pod. I'm not quarantined, though. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I mean, we do get out. I don't go, you know, we don't go congregate in large crowds, but I mean, I do make the very rare trip to the store. Um, I still get out to go to my office to pick up the mail and stuff. Um, <clears throat> check on it, make sure everything's solid up there. And then we do outings, you know, on the weekend, like to isolated places <laughs> where there's no other people. But uh, other than, yeah. you know, have y'all done anything like that since this began? I mean, I've been pretty isolated. Uh, I haven't, I mean, other than getting in the car to drive somewhere, but staying in the car the whole time, not getting out. Uh, I've been pretty isolated. Marvin's still going to work. Marvin and my husband's still going to work. Um, and he works shift work. So, um, so he hasn't been as isolated. And so because he's going to work, we're sending him to the grocery store and stuff like that. But, um, Man, can you hear those dogs in the background? I hope oh, not. Oh, it's not that so, bad. Apology like, to the podcast listeners. It's okay. My <laughs> my grandbaby's here, and he's sleeping like four feet behind me. Oh, yeah. Me. Congratulations. How did that? How's that? How you is know, that? It's good. He's beautiful. Uh, I will say, though, I mean, just being honest, I mean, all full honesty, I mean, that's a wild situation, you know? I mean, no new mother within a week of having got home from their with their brand new baby immediately goes into this pandemic mode and the whole world starts shutting down. So it's not like a normal, you know, Oh, I can run to the store. I'm out of this particular baby wipe that I like. Cause his butt gets a rash, you know, with these other products where you get to the store and it's like, Oh, huh? No baby wipes. You know, it's that kind of stuff. That's less so than the social distancing than just the convenience of having access to supplies. You might need. I, I think that was the real unfortunate thing, and I guess everybody had their own perspective on it, but that hoarding that, that hit right out the gate, you know, the toilet paper hoarders created a domino effect, and so then people go, well, I, I'm going to go buy baby wipes, you know, and then the mothers are going, well, I don't have stuff for my baby now that I need. You know, it's just stuff like that. I mean, yeah, a little different, and I mean, the fear factor a young mother's already dealing with uh, <clears throat> an uncertain road ahead you know it's brand new you I mean, imagine you know even with your settled in and you have your first baby it's like still scary you know yeah postpartum is such a crazy time like even with with me with our five kids it's like even with Mar. i mean i have such a good support system and marvin and our my family and my friends and we have five kids so i've been there before and i know what to expect and even with all of that postpartum is always like a really emotional time yeah. whenever it's not endemic like I always will spend a couple of days postpartum a few weeks maybe a week or so after having the baby just crying for no reason yeah so I can imagine how she must feel to be you know it's her first baby you don't know what to expect no matter how much you've prepared and then um the world is just so crazy right now that that's just a whole nother layer yeah it's kind of odd what what things like this make me think about I mean it's weird what you draw uh, what you draw from. And for me, oddly enough, the thing that I've been thinking of the most, I don't know if y'all ever watched this show, but it's called the man in the high castle on Amazon prime. I don't know if y'all have no. that, but if you do, that is a wonderful show, but quickly, I will really, really quickly tell you why I think of it. Um, <clears throat> that show is about an alternate world where the Nazis and the Japanese won world war two. 
And so they basically have split the United States in half right along like the Rocky Mountain lines. And so the Japan, Japanese have the uh, the uh, West Coast and everything east of the Rockies belongs to Germany. <clears throat> and so, you know, like they had to basically come in and sort of you have this whole generation of American people that had to learn how to live under basically Nazi rule. But, wow. but the show takes place one generation after that. So you're you're in the lives of people who have been born and are growing up in a world where that's very normal, you know. Yeah. And so it didn't hit me till towards the end of the series when I'm watching it. I was like, wow, I never really considered this perspective that these children. It's kind of like we do with our own history when we go. How come we never learned this in high school? Or how come we never yeah. taught that we slaughtered these people, you know, or how come we right. never were taught that they systematically killed the buffalo? Those kinds of horror show things that we did for these kids, they are not taught those things either. They're not taught American history. They're not taught freedom and democracy and all of that kind of stuff. Well, they yeah. start doing what we do and scratch the surface and go, hey, hang on. There used to be another world and things used to not be this way. And so that that natural human uh, curiosity and rebellion to be free sort of rises up again. I'm saying yeah. all that to mean it's kind of got that show oddly enough has got me thinking of these times for these new children, you know, cause we don't know how long this will go on. Right. We don't know what critical shifts are going to have to happen in the world going forward. Uh, yeah. so they're going to walk into a brand. He's this, my grandchild's walking into a brand new world that I've not spent my life navigating. Yeah. And it's just a it's, weird thing. It's crazy to think to just, just, I mean, I think whenever we're younger, we think history is just history. Yeah. Like what, what we learned in sixth grade or in civics class that was taught by the, you know, the, the coach that also coached basketball here in Louisiana. That was like our right. civics teacher was the, no, you know, nothing against the basketball coach, but right, um, right. that's just what it was. And so it, when you're younger, you just think history is history is history. And then whenever you get older, you realize wow, how many different filters history goes through. And and it's interesting right now during this crazy time, it's like, man, how much it's myself trying to balance between um, presenting the truth as, as best as I can unfiltered what the truth actually is to my children, but then also wanting to protect them, right? So yeah. then it's like, even that's another layer of history besides the fact that like we don't like to take um, we don't like to, to admit what we did wrong as a society or as a culture or whatever. Not only that, but then there is a le level of um, are we even aware of what we did? And then beyond that, it's the protection for those youngest. So I can imagine in that show, there has to be some part of the people that are protecting or that wish to protect um, the younger generation who are growing up in this crazy time. Um, oh, what a small little cute scribe. I know. Anyway. I was about to say, I'm about to pick him up, so keep, I'm listening. I yes. Know. No, I love it. Yeah, let me see him. But um, yeah, so I just think it's interesting, too, you know, that those of us, no matter how crazy, oh, no matter how crazy, we just want to protect little people like that. Oh, my goodness. He's beautiful. I wish everybody uh, could see how beautiful he is. It's wild. I never would have thought I'd be doing this right now, talking on a podcast, rocking a baby. <laughs> I <laughs> Poor know. little baby. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, I'm facing the same things. I'm sure a lot of parents are. We're all thinking about how can we, you know, still be smart and prepared and do all the things we need to do and navigate it all properly. But we don't want our children. We want to tell them the truth 
when, and we're still learning what that truth is ourselves. Right. So there's this extra quick process we have to go through. It's like, okay, I got to filter this, process it, quickly make the right decision, and then refilter it back to them honestly, but also without a bunch of fear for them to live under. It's a strange, strange thing. Yeah, my brain keeps going to like, I wonder, especially my nine-year-old, because my nine-year-old is, is at the age where she can like, she's kind of woken up, you know, whenever you're like two or three, you're still kind of in that lull, you don't have all, you don't, she won't remember, those kids won't remember this clearly. But I'm sure the nine-year-old will have, you know, somewhat crisp memories of this time. And I wonder what parts are going to stick and what parts are going to fall away. Yeah. Like I'm sure the toilet paper has to stick. For all of us, that's going to have to be part that's stuck because it's so, it's just so preposterous. But I mean, it's just interesting what else is going to stick. It's funny, this toilet paper thing. And I, and you saying that kind of, I never really linked these things together, but I get it. You know, I'm I'm anti-war. I mean, I've, I've been that way a long time and I used to not say it out loud because it caused some conflicts and I've just become comfortable with that conflict now. And I'm so anti-war to the point where I really wish all that stuff would just fall into the sea and we'd never see it again. And now during this time, what I'm noticing is I'm really seeing that that philosophy or not even philosophy that really that that thing I believe deeply in is really highlighted for me because I go I look at the numbers now and go, look at what humans spend the most money on. We spend the most money on our militaries. And right yeah. now, what we need are not weapons, but tools of health and well-being. And we don't have that. It's because we didn't. We don't invest in health and well-being. We invest in war and industry. And now, now we finally realize what we really need is health and and and, and well-being. And we don't. You know, it's not there. There's a deficit. And so, what this toilet paper thing does now for me, as I'm sitting here talking to you, I go, "Oh, that that explains it. We invested in toilet paper, but we right. have." We're not, <laughs> But you could go to the store and get plenty of everything else, you know. <laughs> I mean, right. We, we're, we, we have this tendency collectively to, or at least in the majority, go out and do the wrong thing. <laughs> it's just the weirdest yeah. thing. I don't know what that's all about. This, like this time too, has been such a paradigm shift, I guess, in my brain for me because – my family, so my dad is from Cuba, right? So my dad was born in Cuba, yeah. and they escaped Cuba right around the time of Castro. And so so my family, especially those first generation, um, the first generations that, that were born here, but their parents were born in Cuba, and my dad, who escaped from Cuba, and, and his siblings, they are so staunchly conservative. And I understand that, and I totally – and I get it. I get it, and there's no, I don't even need to make any excuses for it. I understand where that comes from yeah. because they've seen, quote-unquote, the other side. Um, and so just because of that, because of them – and because of their influence, their great, wonderful influence in my life, um, I've always just kind of adopted that view, too, of like, you know, a limited government and the less government, the better. And then it's crazy now that I'm like wrestling with what is it that I actually believe? Um, because during this time where the government is telling us, hey, guys, there's a pandemic, like we have not dealt with this in any of your lifetimes. Um, it is important that you stay home. People are just like, but I'm not going to though. I'm yeah. just not going to. And so now I'm like, uh, oops, are you still there? Oh, I'm still here. Yeah. Can you see me? I'm, yeah. I pressed okay. all kind of crazy buttons. Okay. So then in this crazy time, it's like, people are like, I'm still not, I'm just not going to. 
So then now I'm like, man, I find myself saying, government, we need you. Yeah. We, like I, before I thought, you know, get up off our backs, but we're, we're not, we're not mature enough. We need you to step in. And, and so that's been an interesting, really illuminating thing for me during this time. Yeah. It's just, um, starting to evaluate how much of what I've always believed will stick and how much of it will change just through my own life experiences. And I'm happy. I know it. Sorry for interrupting the conversation, but I have something I need to tell you about. You may or may not know this, but this podcast is produced in the city of Sulphur, Louisiana, one of the sister cities that make up Southwest Louisiana. All of my childhood memories are wrapped up in the city of Sulphur. It's my home, and it's been a good home for most of my life. There is a growing diversity of unique businesses, services, and events in Sulphur, each with a rich and colorful story to tell about their particular place in this little jewel on the west side of the Calcasieu River. My mission is to promote good news, to put a positive signal out in the world. That's why my team at Parker Brand Creative Services has created the new brand, Sulphur Today. Here's how it works. Post your Sulphur event, service, photos, videos, or information using the hashtag SulphurToday. That's it. My team and I will scan and curate those posts through the social media platforms we've put in place. Before you make your post, just type hashtag, that's a pound sign for the folks that don't know what a hashtag is, and the words SulphurToday with no space. My team at Parker Brand is monitoring this tag right now, and they're ready to create positive digital curb appeal for our city by sharing all the very best Sulphur has to offer through the Sulphur Today social media pages. As the Sulphur Today project grows, we will be scheduling interviews and video sessions with businesses, events, and services so they can tell their story of Sulphur Today in a series of ongoing micro-documentaries. Look for the eye-catching Sulphur Today sign when you're out in about and be ready we may be stopping by to visit you for a photo op and don't forget to stop by the parker brand creative services studio in sulfur to grab a sulfur today decal for your vehicle or business we want people visiting our area to know that they can find all the wonderful things we have to offer with ease and be a part of our history by utilizing the sulfur today pages or by searching the sulfur today hashtag do you want to help us tell the story of sulfur today Here's what I need you to do right now. Visit and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sulfur today. And be sure to share positive sulfur information and post often using the hashtag sulfur today. Now, back to find the good news. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think a lot about that, too, because I tend to take a voluntarist viewpoint when it comes to politics, I guess. And I don't even know if I consider voluntarism political. Maybe some do. Um, But it's a small, a small movement. But I want to I think I lean towards voluntarism because I want to believe that human beings can be better and that the natural good will rise on its own given enough time to do that. I think sometimes, and I've taken that view too, where I thought, well, government kind of sometimes gets in the way of allowing the natural good to emerge on its own and form what actually needs to be. And that would be more permanent. Instead, it comes in and goes, okay, cool. You're trying to do good, but let us come in and tell you how to do good. Uh, Right. 
And so I don't know that we have enough, our lifetimes are long enough or if we have enough patience or foresight to take like a, a seven generation view of things. Right. And I think if, in a seven generation view of things, at least right now, I still kind of think I cling to this, that you would have a government emerge that would probably be a little more in line with what I want to see out of voluntarism. But I think right now what we've got are these short timetables. And yeah. so the, it's like, you know, it's Mickey Smith and I were talking and he said, you know, it used to be the hundred year storm. Now it's the every 10 year storm, you know, and the wildfires used to be once every generation and now they're once a year. So our timetables are so different and that makes it to where government does, if it's, if it's job is to protect the people to have to step in constantly. And it's just a, a humanities against its nature to be told what to do, I think. And it just like. And we're having to see that we're going to have that, that system of, uh, I guess that structure come in more often than not. And we're going, Hey, we're getting kind of sick of being told what to do. And it just kicks this whole revolution off again. What's weird though, about that. I'm reading this book. One of many, I hate that. I can't finish a book. I swear I switch shift gears too much, but <laughs> this lady is writing a book about, it's actually about Southwest Louisiana. It's called Strangers in Their Own Land. And what she, she interviewed a bunch of people, people we know, actually. It's crazy. I had no idea this book existed. And what she discovered was that the highly conservative states in the United States, mm -hmm. uh, and she's conservative herself, but the ones that demand uh, less government end up being the states that get or ask for more grants and funding from the government. And it's so odd because then you have the Demo the blue the blue states or even purple states where they say, "Hey, government's good. Government, you know, we can do these great things for the world, the environment, whatever." Those states tend to have uh less requirements or needs for grants. And I've actually heard people say that here in our area. You know, they'll say, well, you know, if you like these uh, these events or you like this bridge or you like this road or whatever, well, that's because we're getting 48% of that from the government. But the government says, well, if you want our money, then this is what X, you got to do X, Y, and Z. And I do find that an odd conundrum that the more conservative we are, the more needs we tend to have from the very people we don't want in our lives. It's an odd thing. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think especially here, or at least what I see, I, I I shouldn't make such such generalizations from Facebook, but it's so hard not to. Whenever I don't know, I have a lot. I guess a big Facebook friend group. A lot of people that I don't know uh, personally, yeah. and there are a lot of people who um, I would say are probably more conservative sure. on my friends. And it's interesting to me to see the disconnects. Uh, between what they say they believe and what they actually believe. And I don't think that they're even aware of that, maybe. Yeah. I think maybe like in Louisiana, there's like a hive mind there where it's like if you want to be good and right and on the right side of things, you need to believe in all of these things. Sure. And that's what this group of people said. We need to all believe in and like. And if you don't believe in and like these things, then you're other and you're bad. And so no one really goes within themselves and says, okay, wait, what is it that I actually believe? Sure. They just latch on to what yeah. their friend said or whatever. No, it's so true. It is true. I mean, and I, I'm the first one to say, like these checks that are coming out, you know, to every family. Yeah. Hey, that's going to be a blessing, right? I mean, it will be. 
But I do know that prior to this, there are people that would have said, oh, you know, that's a welfare state. We shouldn't be doing right. that stuff. But yet now that we are the those the same voices, they're the ones that need that. We're, those will be, you know, we'll, we'll go get in line and stick it in the bank. Right. And I find it odd. I do find that odd. It's easy to say stuff whenever it's not you and you can see the other just as we're talking about. It. And I know you and I are both big friends, big uh Richard Rohr uh, apostles, yeah. you know, to some degree, however failingly so I might be. But uh, that uh, the idea of the other, I think about that a lot. It, it paints a lot of my worldview. And then I go, okay, who is this other? And, and the othering of somebody, making them separate. You know, and then I get into what I believe about Christ. And you start to paint everything through that. And I go, okay, this is where I got to really ask myself some hard questions. Just again, like, who's cons- what does it matter? Conservative, liberal, right. Democrat, Republican, what state, this, co- what country am I in? I mean, right. Is the Christ universal enough to pour and drip all over all of that stuff as well? You know, if I paint it that way, I'm sure you have yeah. similar musings. Yeah, I've, I've, it's been weird for me to re- recognize that, that maybe the same action filtered through who we would have labeled the other. So like maybe if we were under a different administration who decided to, to, um, pass this $1,200 check thing, yeah, maybe those same people who were saying, yay, this is awesome would be saying, oh, this is a bad decision just because of the person in charge. Sure. So I wonder how much I don't know. I just wonder how much of us is actually paying attention to what's happening, and how much is of us is just like operating on autopilot. I yeah. guess. Yeah, and that's like a little autopilot is a little bit like survival mode. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. like I'm just gonna do ride this out and keep try to keep myself the same and just get through it. And then when I walk out, I'll just be the same person. I don't like being the same person. If I'm being a hundred percent honest, I love. I actually like looking back at myself and going, oh, I used to think this and now I don't anymore. How funny is that? I love that. I want everybody to do that. Just keep on changing, man. You know, man, I love that, too. But you know where I get stuck? Like I will. This is this is like my mode of being. I'll be like, man, oh, I've grown in this way. I'm like, oh, that who I was back then has shifted for the better. And now this is me and I'm so good. But I tend to think like the me that it is now has everything figured out. Oh, yeah. And like the okay. me that I am in the present knows all the things. <clears throat> and I'm just, I'm, I can't get any better. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just, I don't know. I have a hard time. I've, I've, going back to what you said about, about how Christ being everywhere and, and the other, um, I've, I've been specifically today really struggling with um, seeing Christ in the other uh, of people who are not handling this the same way that I'm handling it or people who are not handling the way that I think I should be handling it. Yeah, I understand. Uh, Specifically, just um, people who are going out and doing more than I guess I have deemed necessary to do, right? Yeah. And I realized that 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 my concern there, my concern with what other people are doing or are not doing, is not coming from a place of love and truth, a place where I'm worried or a place where um, it's in the best interest that they not do these things. It's actually coming from like a spoiled kid who's saying, "Man, they're going out and doing this. That's not fair. I'm oh, home." Oh, yeah, right. 
Well, yeah, so, because honestly, not to interrupt you, but like I've had that thought too about myself. Like, yeah. and I want to get back to, please don't let me derail you, but it, you saying that, I thought that, yeah, I think that every time, like we went to Big Thicket National Preserve yesterday and we've been trying every weekend to go to some place that we can think of where there's not going to be a congregation of people. Right. Okay. Well, that's the rule I've made for myself. I'm going, I've, my, me and my family, we, we don't go anywhere all week. I feel safe taking them to this you know, huge forest, but there right. are other people out there in that forest. I mean, now, granted, they may be a hundred feet from us it, and right. we may not see one for an hour, but when I come home and I post the pictures of my family on Facebook, I do have that thought. Like, I know that there are people that have been saying I'm home, I'm quarantined, like, and here <laughs> you are going out doing this. And I, I mean, they're not saying that to me, but right. I, I can't help but feel like, prejudge myself against the views that I see that go, maybe they think like, Oh, I cannot believe Oren's doing that. I mean, that's, he's just going out having equating what I'm doing to a crawfish boil. Right. Right. You know, or or going to the bar. I don't know. Anyway, that's kind of a worry I've been having. It's a weird new fear that I didn't consider before. Yeah. Well, I think you're a lot more self-aware than me because my, so my mom and my dad are, they're not together. And so they live alone. And, and, um, so one thing that I've been really worried about this whole time is just, I'm worried that my mom, if she would be quarantined, quarantined, right. With a big Q capital Q quarantine, yeah. um, get lonely. And so that worries me. And so, so we, she's been coming over a lot, my mom. Yeah. And, and I know that that goes against, you know, some people's rules, but you're so self-aware that you're worried about it because here I am sitting in my ivory tower, judging everybody who's not big Q quarantine like me. And yet I'm having my mom come over and not even like thinking about it. Right. No, it's true. <laughs> so, I, I get it. Yeah. I, I, I messaged my, um, I messaged my mentor about that and said, Hey, look, help me out. Um, I'm getting really frustrated at people from a really unhealthy place because they're handling it differently than, than me. I'm like a whiny teenager whose friends get to go out at night and I'm staying home and help me figure this out. And she said, as she said something along the lines of, as we get older, the truth in us, um, yearns to do what is right for the sake of Christ and ourselves alone, not because of what other people say or do. And, um, the truth outside of us, uh, wants to do what is right um, only to, and I'm probably butchering her words, but I'm saying it to the way I understand it. The truth outside of ourselves only when, when we're younger too, only wishes to do what is right, to fall in line, to, mm. to follow the rules, to stay within a certain boundary. And that's good when you're younger, because that's how we stay alive, right? We look at the hive mind and say, everyone is doing this thing and everyone else is alive. Let me continue doing this. But when you get older, you need to look within yourselves um, and within yourself to find truth and to follow the truth within yourself only for the sake of you and for Christ and love and truth, not because of what other people might think. And so she described that when I'm getting frustrated at people for doing something that I wouldn't do, when I'm labeling other people as other, it's because there's a fissure between the truth in me and the truth outside of myself. And so rather than the truth in me being sufficient and me knowing and resting in that I should stay home because I feel like it's right and I should do all these things, I'm, I'm jumping outside of my own self to look at others Yeah, and, and comparing those two things. So that was really helpful whenever she labeled it like that, just to get kind of like, okay, this is why you're feeling this way. You're 
you're jumping outside of your own self and, and comparing. And that's been helpful in the past, but right now it's not. Yeah. And, true. um, in those moments of frustration, maybe just take a few deep breaths and, and focus on sending love to those people instead of frustration. Yeah. And that's hard. That's hard. That actually takes work. I think it's good work though. That's one yeah. of the things that I don't tend to, when I see that in myself where I want to quickly just, and I do, I mean, especially when you feel frustrated or even angry, and with a, another human being and you just get it, it almost can squash all of that idea, all those ideas about or feelings or, or even desires to love them in a Christ like way and get, right. offer them some chance of uh, recompense or, or forgiveness. And so, yeah, I find that in myself. I'm sure everybody does, but I love working through it. I know that's strange because it's often very difficult, but. I do like getting on the other side of that when I've gotten through it. And then I go, wow, okay, it can be done. I just have to have certain circumstances sometimes arise for me to get there. Cause I'm just still a, a practicing weak person. I mean, I've just got to practice. It takes work, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny how often forgiveness keeps coming up for me during this time. Cause I keep getting, uh, this has never really happened to me before. But I've been getting a lot of private messages during this time from of all these people that I've had sort of surround friends and, and family through in my life. And maybe late at night, I'll get a message like, hey, can I get your advice? Nobody ever asked me for advice ever. And I'm like, oh, wow. So what, what's, what do you need? You know, and I just kind of open my mind and my heart <clears throat> and I, I've kind of enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie, because I realized how much. Even though on, on the surface, these conversations I'm having aren't about forgiveness, the more we talk, that's the underlying balm. And I find that yeah. beautiful. I'm like, okay, ultimately, the longer we talk, we get to a place where someone needs forgiveness somewhere yeah. in here. And that makes me wonder if that isn't just the base foundation of just about everything somewhere until there can be a, a healing forgiveness. There will always be a conflict. If somebody yeah. doesn't have that, take that, be the one to end the cycle somewhere. Yeah. That's that brings me back to like, whenever Jesus said like, are oh, you coming before you come here? Don't come here unless you make sure that like your brother is not mad at you or you're yeah. not mad at your brother. Like, clear yourself before you come here. Uh, not because obviously not because he's trying to keep us from getting there, but because that's just such important work to yeah. like look into that, man, I've been going through, I was, I was actually thinking about you. Uh, I was going, I've been, I remember during our first conversation, you asked me the question, something along the lines of, okay, whenever you had your huge conversion, you ended up, you ended up at Jesus. Like, how did that happen? Because it could have been so many different oh, ways. How yeah. did it happen that specifically? And I remember at the time that question kind of like was confusing to me because, and I remember explaining because, um, uh, it's, it had been my experience that either you felt it, you felt a tug or a closeness or a more approachability towards God, the father or Jesus, the part, Jesus, the son. And that it had been my experience that if you felt that you all, if you felt more comfortable with one, the other one almost felt out of reach for you. Okay. And so whenever you explain, whenever you were asking me that, um, it almost like I didn't understand the question. And lately in the last few months, I've realized, uh, that I don't know Jesus very well outside of who other people have told me he was. 
Ah, okay. So I've, I've only learned about Jesus through the filter of the church, uh, other people's reflections on scripture. Um, and so I've been feeling a really big tug to dive into who Jesus, the Christ, was. Um, and the way that I felt tugged to do that, uh, not only you know through prayer, obviously, but is through reading scripture and and I don't know how this came up, but reading scripture with and asking myself the question, uh, what does this poem tell me about who God is? God the Son is. Ah, okay. And and it made me realize that I didn't I didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer for that question outside of what other people had whispered in my ear. Mm. So th- that's been like a really interesting. Um, journey that I'm I just just started so I'm that's, not anywhere in No, court. that's interesting. No, <laughs> I get what you're saying. I, I I've had some similar experiences like that and this is maybe maybe this is relatable to what you're saying or maybe it's not, but like I try to I've always tried to put myself in different lenses. And now honestly looking back to my time with Catholicism, I see now that uh it was of high value. But at the same time, I realize it just by my own nature, whatever I've been made to be by my creator, which I do believe that happens, you're shaped, that that was one big lens and it is still a big lens in my life. But at the same time, like I'm reading, I, I purposely will go out and, and stick myself both feet into other lenses. And so during this time, what I've been reading and something I've always wanted to read, I never did, was The Book of the Five Rings by Miyamoto Masashi. And he is a samurai, was a samurai warrior, you know, and it's a short book. It's only like 58 or depending on which version, you know, a hundred pages long. But what I've been finding as I read that, and I went back and started thinking about my mind, it's odd how many of these different books from different religions, philosophies, or cultures, I always at some point in that journey feel like, like when I'm reading his words, even though I know he's Miyamoto Musashi, a historical figure, and I know he's from Japan, and I know he's a samurai, there are times when I'm reading his words where I hear, it, it's like those words are coming out of Christ, out of Jesus' yeah. mouth. And it's so strange. And I go, and I noticed it this morning. I was like, I, as I'm reading this, I'm fully feeling like this is coming from the Incarnation. Oddly yeah, enough, and it's a weird experience. To it's honestly probably strange to hear that. Even I don't even know what I'm talking about when that happens. Oh, no, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I do. That's, that's great. It's wild though, but it, it makes you realize that there that maybe that there is some kind of mystery there to that voice of wisdom. You know, I mean, if we, if as Christians, you know, we believe that the the voice of wisdom incarnated in Jesus. When we hear the voice of wisdom, and it's true wisdom, and it, it vibrates with you, and you can apply it, you go, okay, is this voice of wisdom, even though it's coming out of another culture, place, time, completely disassociated with Christianity, is it still coming from the original well of wisdom, you know, that's a, that we yeah. would believe incarnated as this man? I don't know. It's it's Those are interesting questions I like to ask of myself at time. What do I believe about it? And what do I think? That's so cool because I'm sure I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent positive that somebody that if there are some circles or some spaces where if you were to say that, 
I read this book about the samurai dude and he, I was I was brought to Christ. I felt like it was, you know, Christ speaking through this person or some Christ in some way intertwined with this person and dwelling there and whatever. I know that there are probably some circles in which that would be heretical. Right. And what right. I find really interesting, what I find really interesting is that when you get to a place where you can find Christ in those spaces, the idea that others might find that view heretical does not cause anxiety within you. Like, right. Like, yeah, that's true. You, that's you, true. you feel completely okay. You feel completely okay with the fact that, and you, and understanding, you, you feel completely okay. You feel understanding and you feel, um, it, it just all openness to the fact that someone might be worried for you. Yeah. Like I've gotten there now. I'm like, I understand that, that if I were to sit down and have a really open conversation with somebody about, about what I believe and what I'm wrestling with, that, that some of those people might find, might be worried for me. Yeah. But I'm not worried for my own self. Like, yeah. So I feel peace in that. Yeah. No, I get that. It's, it's kind of odd because, I mean, I know you and I both listen to Richard Rohr. I mean, and I know a lot of people do, but for you and I, and just the only reason I say this, I'm making a big assumption here, but I feel like we both kind of keep up with his podcast and his works, and we've both read some similar books. And, you know, I hear him say things sometimes, and I go, oh, I, and like, you know how sometimes he'll do this with his interviewers? He'll go, yes, yes, that's it, that's it. There yes. are times whenever I hear him say that, or he'll be talking about like finding Christ in his dog. And right. I will be going, yes, yes, Richard. Yes. Like, I, because I'm going, these are the experiences I've had too. And I, I love that. Right. I love that in my mind and my imagination, I see these beings across time. We're still building a bridge and they're all trying to lay down planks, you know? And it's like yeah. every one of these beings are on this bridge, just hammers and nails trying to get across this this roaring river, not so we can get across it to the other side, but so we can stand in the middle of it together and watch the water go by and just cherish it, you know, from right. the same viewpoint. And Richard's one of those people. His delivery cracks me up, though. Like when I read yeah, his no, words and then hear him say his own <laughs> words, I'm like, I can't. I still haven't, <laughs> I haven't quite married those two things together because his personality is so different than anybody yeah. I'm used to, you know, or know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm actually enjoying this conversation. I don't really always get to talk like this with people, I mean openly, honestly. Just like right. you said, those spaces are few and far between. Even doing the podcast, I mean, I do find that I, I try to be uh whatever the guest is bringing to the table. And I've I've heard a little bit of pushback on this actually. Um that maybe I don't stand my stand my ground, but my answer to that sometimes is I don't know what my ground even is. I mean, I think I, I take three steps to the left, and where there used to be a fence there where I might step off the edge, I find that there's two more stepping stones I can keep going that weren't there the day before. Right. And so when people bring things to the table, whether they be an evangelical Christian or maybe they are an atheist or whatever, mm -hmm. I try to be open enough to have the conversation in their language. And then if I get to a division point where I don't maybe agree, I, I, I try not to say, Oh, I don't agree with that. I try to say, okay, explain that more to me. And then I try to see where there may be a connection to what I'm framing my life through. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Sometimes it ends up sounding like I'm talking their language. Of course. I think, 
I think too, that's just, I think that comes from wisdom because I know that if someone were to, if someone were, would come, would have come to me two or three years ago and, and said anything that Richard Rohr says or, um, any of the things that now I find so profound, I know that d- the Diana who had, who, who was two years ago would have been worried for that person. I know I would have, sure. and I would have thought they were absolutely wrong. So I think there with wisdom and with kindness and with love, we are called to meet those, to meet others where they are. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I think, I think you handled that beautifully. I think. Whew. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I know. I know. Sometimes I, I. I mean, like anybody, I. I am constantly filled with questions. But the thing that I love is that when I get a question, I'm sure you're the same way. You can go find some source for an answer and find that information yourself, and then choose whether you want to get a surface level dose of it or if you want to go further. I was for a while here in the last few months. I. I uh, the Baha'i faith kept coming up. And it was just sort of serendipitous the way it kept coming up in conversations and then encounters. And I was like, well, sometimes I try to pay attention to those things. Right. And I thought, well, you know what? Maybe this is a religious sort of a, dark, a blind spot for me in the religion category. I know very little about it. But what I, I don't want to be one of those people who go, oh, well, you know what the Baha'i say. Or it's like Native American wisdom. You know, you'll go, oh, well, you know what Chief Seattle said, and you'll quote a few verses, and then you think you know something about Native Americans. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I don't, I'm, I'm guilty as charged, and I was kind of like that with the Baha'i. It was like, well, I've heard these things, and so then I was that guy. like, oh, well, you know the Baha'i, the way they believe. Man, I don't know. I'm saying this because I read some <laughs> a little paragraph. Right. So anyway, I decided to kind of dive into it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, when you take a serious dive in somebody else's worldview and faith. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There were things that I go, okay, now I agree with a lot of what's coming out of here and I hear the voice of wisdom, but oddly enough with that one, I'm looking for the points of contention. Like I was actually looking for the things I don't agree with. It's odd. I don't normally do that. I didn't see anything bad, but there would be things that I go, Hmm, for instance, uh, and this is just to bring one thing up. You know, they believe that Baha'u'llah is another incarnation of God on earth, another like Christ, another. And so their belief is that all these wisdom beings throughout the ages since the dawn of time, even prehistory, has been God unfolding and revealing to humanity. And that this Baha'u'llah within our historical time, you know, was somebody all another and there will be more. Mm. And so... When, when you read their works and all, I mean, there's works. I mean, there's like scripture. I mean, all this stuff, and it's really great, and I find a lot of wisdom and, and inspiration. But I had to ask myself because I'd go, mm, but I'm not so sure I subscribe to that, that he's another incarnation. And then I caught my own thought when I thought that. It's like, now, why? Why? Right. There's millions of people that do. Why don't I? Okay. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's the question. And then I have to ask what you're asking. Is it because of what I really believe or is it yeah. because of the culture that I was brought up in and the, where I have this secret fear that that's blasphemy? You know, I get, I'm just asking myself, it's been pretty fascinating what it, where I realize I have these fences and they're real. Yeah. They're very real. I can yeah. say I'm open to everything, whatever, 
but realistically, I, I hit certain walls. I was like, oh, no, I don't subscribe to certain things. Now, why don't I? Because I don't have a real yeah. reason for it. Right. And that's yeah. hard to admit out loud to everybody. But, I mean, yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting yeah. that it's somebody it took some it takes somebody else's belief to make you see where those things are at when they have fully do not have that fence at all. You know, for instance with a Baha'i they would say absolutely Jesus is the incarnation of God on earth. Absolutely and you'd go, "Yeah. Yeah, okay, we're on the same page." And also Baha'u'llah <laughs> is the incarnation of God on earth and then you go and they're fine with it. And yeah. you're going, and you I'm saying, feel yeah. a little uncomfortable you go, in your, in your heart. Hold on a second. You know, but how come yeah. they don't have that fence? And it's not just because they were brought up. Sometimes many of these people came to it later in life and grew up in the same culture. That's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know. It fascinates me. And I'm happy. I know it. I'm I hate to pause the program, but I want to ask you something. Did you know that you can help me and my team at Parker Brand Creative Services grow the Find the Good News signal? For less than a fancy cup of coffee, you can become an Early Risers Club patron on our Patreon page. What's Patreon? Well, it's a way for creators to fund their projects by pooling support from those really passionate people that believe in what they're doing. Do you believe in what we're doing with Find the Good News? I hope you do. We believe that there's already enough negative news in the world, even right here at home, and that good people doing good works deserve a platform to speak from too. That's why we created Find the Good News, and we believe in that simple mission. Maybe you believe in it, too. If you do believe in finding and sharing good news, then head over to our Patreon page right now or check out the link in the show description. For a commitment of $3.33 a month, you can join the Early Risers Club of Find the Good News Patreon supporters and get access to The B-Sides, a patrons-only podcast with the crew behind Find the Good News, Parker Brand Creative Services. Each time we level up, the Patreon rewards will get bigger. If you're tired of old news, bad news, and fake news, help support Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. That's patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. Now, back to the episode. I think with growth, there has to be something with with growth. The more you grow, I've been lately. I've been explaining it like a ladder, but the, 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 to follow your metaphor, the more you grow, the more fences are removed. Yeah. And, and and for some people, they live in the same yard with the same fence, and that's okay, and that's their path, and that's where they're meant to be. But for others. Uh, the removal of the fences over and over and over again is is their path. Yeah. And so for me, one of the one of the really um, big one of the really big hardships or the stone or the thing that keeps me, I think, from loving fully is whenever I'm in an area, I'm in a 50 acre field, and I look at my neighbor who's like in a you know one acre fenced in lot, mm. and the person in the one one acre fenced in lot is spouting all of this, what they truly believe. Yeah. And I look at them and I say, God, and I get so frustrated. Yeah. God, if only, if only. 
but it, it that always it always turns me into my own self to realize hey you're you're maybe not as loving as you think you are yeah the fact that you're even casting that judgment to that person yeah no i actually get that because i actually have a situation in my life where you know, you know love thy neighbor as yourself i actually have right. a, an actual tangible neighbor that i <laughs> don't i'm not there yet because right. of real reasons, but like that is a very interesting thing to actually have not a metaphorical neighbor, but right. an they actual live. neighbor no. that <laughs> literally doesn't like you and could care really like would hurt you. And just to go, right. yeah, I got to like protect myself from this person. And like they do things that I don't agree with that are unsafe for me and my people. And to actually have that in your life and for it to just be present, omnipresent, I mean, it's always there because when you try to build a bridge that just it's like gas and matches on the other side, you go, wow, what do you do with that when you follow the teachings of love thy neighbor? Right. <laughs> it's a weird thing to have a conflict like that. And I do see like, there you go again. I go, okay, I'm really... I'm just human, and I definitely have some work to do. I, I and 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 why do I care? That's the other thing I I think sometimes like why why do I why would I care to solve this? Because it's a part of something. I think for me, it's like I go because it's a part of the teachings. Gosh darn it! <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. said. It's on freaking cards that we hang and plaques we hang on our walls is on t-shirts and we love to pull it out of the bag whenever we want to give somebody a piece of advice and i'm like well here it is here's the love thy neighbor and yeah. it's the you know hallmark saying and i can't apply that darn teaching right here <laughs> it's like a, yeah. a deep thorn under the skin it's a weird thing to have that yeah i think i think at some level at the very core of spiritual work is at the very core of it, it has to be that we understand the definition of neighbor better and better and better, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like spiritual work is recognizing that you thought that you were treating all of as your neighbor only to recognize that, oh, dang it, there was this one thing that I actually wasn't. And you just do that over and over and over again and loving more and more fully. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's practice, yeah. right? I mean, it's like exercising. I try to think of it very much like that and go, okay, when I exercise, which I don't exercise enough, I see differences. My body changes. I lose weight. I gain muscle. You know, I feel better. My joints don't ache as much. Spiritual work is very much the same way. I mean, I find yeah. that if I lay it down, and I've done that in my life where I have like went, got really on fire in a full big old bonfire. And then would just watch that bonfire smolder out, and I would go, well, there's still a fire there. Oh, well, there's still some embers there. Well, it rained on it, but I bet you there's an ember down there somewhere. And it's like that time would go by, and then it's, you know, building that fire back up. You know, it's just like they say, a fire warms you three times, you know. You you, you got to go collect the wood, then you got to build the fire, and then you get to sit by the fire. That's right. all warming you, and I think spiritual work is the exact same way. It's like... You, you have to build that fire back and it takes work and you will be warmed as you go. But, yeah, you know, you will get the benefits if you keep practicing. But when you lay it down, you may have to just go right back to the basics again and rebuild that fire it's with the little kindling and all that. Just go right back to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
well, this is fun, but I, you know, gosh, I didn't even think we were going to talk about this stuff. I had all these other questions to ask you and we're just like, <laughs> it's actually good. This is kind of like church for me. I don't really get to go. I don't go to church. So this is like, this is church, you know? Yeah. For me. I, it's funny. I, I had this sort of digital pen pal that I met through oddly enough. And this is the beauty of social media. I love this. And you, you mentioned something about this earlier about people that you don't know that kind of connect with you online. I, uh, keep up with father james martin's work and i love him me too and a lot of people don't don't i know <laughs> here and that's okay but i yeah, do that's fine yeah. I, and I, sometimes i do find my uh ugh, i don't want to i don't yeah. mean this arrogantly but i find my prophet's voice come out sometimes when i see people beating him up i'm like oh you're blowing on my coal right now because i'm gonna go defend him and right. I, I was do I, for a while, I was kind of in that realm inside of his uh, posts online because people can be so cruel to him. I mean, cruel. And I was like, right. OK, he's not going to ever he'll he'll clap back, but in a very intelligent way. But he's not going to get fiery. And so there have been times when I would do that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go defend him. And I met a person in one of those comment threads. We kept sort of liking each other's comments, oddly enough. So I thought I went and looked at the person's page and they don't live here. They live. I don't want to say where they live. I'll keep their privacy, but like they don't live here and they're a lot older than me. But I went and looked at their thread and I said, you know, this looks like an ally. This looks like an ally. I mean, you can tell by what people post. I mean, I really do think you can. And so I said, well, I'll just see if they'll accept my friend request. Maybe we, maybe we can be friends, you know? And then they friended me back and started commenting on some things I was saying. I started doing the same. And then we have become like, it's the strangest thing has never happened to me before. Like actual friends. Like I actually go, wow, I I really feel like this is somebody I could be friends with. And oddly enough now, like he will, he'll post a picture like this morning, he posts a picture of a water lily and talking about now we're all disconnected and this beautiful thing. It was like discernment practically from just an ordinary man, you know, who was contemplating the water lily and how it makes him feel connected to other people who may be looking at a different plant somewhere else. But that's our communion right now. That's our church. That's our connection. And we still have this, you know? Yeah. And I was like, you know, it's funny because I was having similar thoughts like that yesterday. I was like, you know, we're in the forest and I'm looking at these particular leaves that are anywhere. And maybe somebody else is doing that. And we're connected through that common thing in humanity. Yeah. And that that's like that's like church. That's been like church for me. And I, I'm so thankful for these tools and these strangers that become friends. Uh and so because they're creating a kind of a, a kind of network of love that I had not really allowed myself to experience online before. You know. Right. Like I really saw his picture of the water lily and I actually went, okay, can I put myself where he's at and and hear the water and see the flower with him, even though he took it yesterday? You know what I mean? Like, but 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 feel close to this person. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. It's just sort of makes me think of church and this body, Yeah, you know, this communion. For sure. Yeah. This, it's. I hope that this time will be, especially when all the physical, actual, quote-unquote, churches are closed, I hope that that all of us, in some way, will open our mind up to what church means. Yeah. That that, that fence, right, for yeah. church will get a little bit further 
or yeah. will be removed completely. That would be beautiful. I know. I have this dream, Diana. I really do. I have this dream of a, and it's, I say a dream. It's just like a vision. And it always looks similar, but I just have this vision of like this long picnic table in the middle of the forest. And there's a, there's somebody at the end of the table. I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but they're pouring wine and handing out fresh baked bread. And people just come walking from every direction in the woods. And they all just sit down and laugh and eat the bread and drink it together. They're not kneeling. They're all just thankful to be connected, you know. And I just – something about that just – touches my heart and i think it's just out in the wild it's and not not i love the forest but i mean what i'm saying is it's out in a wild place but beyond the border of what we consider sacred in these walls sometimes you know in our little cloisters that we make you know it's just some place that people yeah. go and they discover it and they go oh, this is beautiful this is beautiful to be with people this way and we can we don't have to even say anything because you feel it at the table pass the bread pass the wine and everybody's hands it's not just one set of hands, you know, there's the hands at the end of the table and everybody passes it one to the other, you know, and I know that that's very much what some people practice to some degree in their communion rituals and in our Christian world. And, uh, but I don't know, I don't know, for me, there's just something beautiful about that picture in my mind. And I don't know what it even is, but it's definitely there. I'm so glad you shared that. Cause while I was listening to you say that, like that, that was like emotional for me. And I feel like if 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 you really close your eyes and imagine that, um, it's going to be emotional just because the truth in us recognizes that. Mm. That that is that is what it is. That is what it could be. That is what it should be. Right? Isn't yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, I feel that. And you know, I know people say don't trust your feelings. You know, but. Trust history and trust tradition. Don't trust your feelings because, you know, that's uh, dangerous. But I, I do. I can't help it. I mean, I'm not wired yeah. to just follow the rules. We've been talking about the rules today. <laughs> I'm not wired yeah. that way. <sighs> well, look, I, I am curious. You know, you, uh, you've you been homeschooling for a long time now, I think. Yeah, and two so, years. So moving into this whole thing, whenever you're here and other people see schools shut down, okay, the schools are shut down. Everybody's having to figure out how to take care of their children at home and what are they right. going to do. That transition probably was a little different for you, right? I mean, you were probably going, huh, well, this isn't that much different, but, but what, it, but I guess my question is what is different? Because, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, it was like, oh my gosh, the world turned upside down. But I can imagine for you, it was a little bit smoother. Yeah, that was an interesting that was an interesting thing that kind of opened me up to understand homeschooling a little bit better. Um, I think a lot of people, when they think of homeschooling, and I, I did the same thing, you think of homeschooling as being school at home, but it's actually uh, very different. It's actually kind of almost like a, a lifestyle is not the right word, but it's the best word I can think of. Uh, it's like it's more like a lifestyle in that now learning is embedded into your very family. Mm. So this time of quarantine where we're, we're not going anywhere and we can't go to the library to get new books and we can't go on, you know, or I guess we could go on nature walks, but nature just in our little yard, or we could do like you're doing and go to cool places, but we're not doing that because I have so many children and they're so young and I'm scared somebody's going to die off a cliff. But um, <laughs> so I feel like, um, I feel like, uh, this time has actually been super different 
just because the freedom is not there. Yeah. Um, I have not, since they closed school down, done traditional schoolwork with my kids one, not even one day, because it just seems like that would be very stressful. And I feel like I would be spending this time yelling and uh, angry with my kids instead of just enjoying time together. Yeah. So um, the whole homeschooling thing has been different. I feel like God was like, hey, Diana, we know that you're a weak little baby who complains all the time. <laughs> and so uh, in because God, you know, God knows you were about to be quarantined, Diana. So he was like, let me give you two full years to be used to being around your kids constantly. Nice. And I'm going to give you an itch to spring clean your house a couple of weeks before the quarantine. Wow. So I'm in a wonderful place right now because I'm used to being around the kids constantly and my house is super clean. Mm, wow. I feel like if either of those things had been different, we w- we might have a different Diana here yeah. today. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting how it fell in line and you were able to kind yeah. of transition right into that. How's your husband dealing with it? I mean, if that's his business, I'm sure. But if you can share anything, I'd be curious. He's, he's not allowed to have his business because he's married to me for a little heart. <laughs> I know um, that. I follow you online, Diana. <laughs> I, you know what? Can I confess something to you? I laugh yes. at you. Y'all, you make me and Michelle smile so much. But there are times because we're so everybody's different. Every couple is so yeah. different. And y'all make me realize that because you will post things that I would never <laughs> let michelle do i look at michelle and i go did you I were, i'll be laughing i go do you see this that diana posted i said her husband i said he is such a good sport i said because and she's like oh i know you'd be like i'd be like girl you ain't posting that you better not post that yeah i've beaten him down for the years oh he's such so a good like, sport he's such a good sport like he's ba- i mean he's like the most easygoing person that ever existed in the world but um <laughs> how he's doing during quarantine he's i felt frustration that's another thing and it's another diana feeling frustration i felt frustration with um his his employer he works at one of the plants in the yeah. area okay and the their lack of literally anything Oren has been like mind-blowing to me really i didn't like know this i haven't heard first, anything from anybody yes like the first week when this was going on so the first week school's now been canceled we're under this whole thing no email, no company memo, no meeting. Wow. I mean, nah. Just business as usual. Business as usual. Wow, okay? that's surprising actually to me. So he had to, he he made up he came up with his own weird two glove method where he has two gloves on at one time and when he touches one thing then he takes off the pair of gloves and he touches the other and he puts on two more. He's like had to implement his own thing. Yeah. Now, he told me in the last few days, the plants um, have put up some some measures where I guess they have those N95 masks at the plants. Okay. And so they're they're implementing kind of like a library checkout system where if you check it out, you can't come back and get more. We need to keep track of where these masks are going. Right. Um, they're putting plexiglass up to where yeah. in different departments. And then before you walk into the plant, you have to have your temperature take, taken. Okay, so they are doing that. Well, that I mean, those are pretty good protocols that's, right there. That's great. That's great. But that's new. Yeah, so it's like just doing new. that. Yeah. Right. Um, Mar- my husband works in a uh, a, re- a really sh- like a smaller uh, 
area, like a, there's only a few people that he works with, and his area of the plant is high traffic. Okay. So other people from other areas of the plant frequently come to where he is working. And someone in his department is um, about between 60 and 70 and has leukemia. And this person is still working. The plant has done nothing to... um, That's surprising, actually. Yeah. Is it, though? I mean, I'm saying it's surprising. Only reason I say it's surprising is because you think they're run like a certain way. It's like a, a military type of atmosphere, very disciplined. Because I've worked in them in through my business, and there's a lot of extras you got to do. But on the flip, I'm also not surprised to hear that the machine doesn't really care too much about the one, if that makes any sense. See, and that's, I was so surprised. And, yeah. and, he, and what's weird, too, is that he was surprised. And I, I asked him, because, because he's so easygoing like we talked about, the way he's been handling this is very surprising to me. I would have thought he would have been the person that had been like, oh, my gosh, it's all fine. Like, everybody's being so dramatic, blah, blah. But he's taking this super seriously. So for him to say he's disappointed or he's confused by the way that his employer is handling this and he feels like they could be doing more, that means a lot. Because I bet, he, especially if you're used to him being another way and you're going, okay, so he's – yeah, I get that. It's a difference. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just feels like they could be doing more. Um, like even with hurricanes, I mean, they have a hurricane c- crew where they'll they they swap out, and the plant can run beautifully like that, where they swap out workers so that there's not as many people. They're not even doing that, so it feels like more could be done. And yeah. it feels weird. That feels weird to me. It's very interesting too. Now that I'm thinking about this, I mean, you go into the refineries, and have you ever been inside the refinery? No, no. I mean, for people that maybe never have been, and I don't know, maybe here probably more people have than not. But for me, it's always sort of a culture shock when I go work in them because, you know, you're I had this sort of meditation actually years ago. And I was like, man, this is such a cut. The social distancing. I felt like that when I was in the refinery. I was like, you know, I've got you've got things covering your eyes things covering your head, things covering your body, things covering your hands. There's no vegetation. It's all machines. There's all this protocol. And uh, I thought, man, this is just the ultimate cutoff for me. But at the same time, when I went in recently, you know, they have those detectors on them that's great for chemical leaks, but there's no COVID-19 detector. You know what I mean? So it's like all these protocols, but this virus ultimately has more power over over even something like that with all these OSHA safety protocols in place. You know, it's amazing what a, yeah. what a virus or just a living thing in nature. Well, whatever a virus is not, you know what I'm saying? There's something that arises from nature has that much power. Yeah. Even with all those, that's that uh, sterile environment. Yeah. And it's been interesting too, to hear from him just that the majority, I mean, the majority of people that work there are male, obviously. And so yeah. I guess not obviously, but that's just the truth. The majority are male. And he's, he's been relaying to me that the culture in the plant is that they're disappointed in their employers and that they're make they're taking their own measures to protect themselves. So what I was envisioning was this group of, you know, good old boys sitting around saying, Oh, it's COVID-19, nothing, yeah. nothing. Yeah. But really these are a group of men who are taking it super seriously at wishing that they're though the powers that be in charge would take it more seriously to protect them. Yeah. So 
that was crazy. That's really not what I would have expected from that group of people. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm starting to see news stories like that, too, where some of the like even like the grocery delivery services are starting to say, hey, look, we're putting our lives in danger. You know, yeah, we're interacting with all kinds of people every day and we don't know what their protocols are. I mean, even when I go to the store, I mean, at first, I, I mean, the last few times I've went, I've been, I've worn my mask and gloves and I have my protocols too. It's like pre-sanitized, glove up, put the mask on, go in the store, shop, come out, throw the gloves away, load the groceries, get in the truck, take the mask off, sanitize the mask. And then I have like things to clean me inside of my truck clean my hands again and then I clean my keys and then I start my truck. I mean, that's probably overkill, but that's like been what it's like. Yeah. Then when I get home, I have to put my, put a pair, I keep a pair of rubber gloves that I keep Lysol constantly. And I use those to haul everything in the house. Then we wipe all the packages down, put them in the pantry and then we wash our hands. And it's like, right. That's a lot of work. But you don't know that everybody's doing that. And that's why right. I'm doing that. Because I'm going, I right. don't know who's doing what, you know? Yeah. At what level yeah. in this game am I going to accidentally rub my eyeball and get a particle? And then, you know, I've got, uh, I got a crying baby now. Let me see if I can, uh, hey, buddy. Oh, can you see him? He is. So... I can see his face, but I don't hear him crying. Yeah, he just, there he is. Let's see if we can get him. Oh. Hey. He looks just like <laughs> he looks like my dad so much. It's crazy. Oh, it really is crazy. Like I look at him sleeping, and I go, "God, it's my dad's little face." It's so weird. Oh, that's awesome. He's in and out though. He cries, and then he goes back to sleep, and then he cries. So I've been sitting here shaking him on my hip, and he's been kind of out <laughs> the whole I time. He let us talk for a while. Yeah, he did. Well, I am. It seems like y'all are doing okay, and I'm glad to hear that. I really am. We're doing good. Yeah, we're doing. You, you seem to make the make life fun over there too. I got to be honest. I mean, you do when you post. It's it's nice to go. Okay, there there, there's just sort of a jovialness in a way, you know. Yeah, but also like if anybody, if you are friends with me on Facebook, please know that if I'm not posting anything, it's because I'm like in the pit of despair. Like I I spend a lot of time like either in the pit of despair or like on the mountain and everything's fine. Yeah, and like the person who lives on the mountain doesn't remember who the person was that was in the pit of despair, and b vice versa. So that's if right. You're, like if, social media is a lie, so just don't don't feel like you're doing anything wrong. If Man, you see me being crazy. You know, Diana, can I share something with you? You uh, hang on, I'm gonna pass the baby off to Michelle. Michelle's in here. Okay, he's been good for a while, but he's starting to get cranky. Thank you, Michelle. And this is. Sorry, I'm trying to be serious, and I know that's a hiccup, but you said something there, and it's oddly enough, it's, I don't know why I want to tell you this, but I have something I wrote down the very last time I went to my evening adoration, which has been a couple of years now. It just felt like that was my last time to go. I just, I, I don't know, I, I felt it was just like time to not do this anymore. I was in a cycle, and to be honest, I wasn't sure that I was getting what I should be getting out of that any more than I was going to get out of going to the park. I know that sounds so terrible and it probably sounds it horrible. It really to some does people. not. It really does not. But yeah. But I, I, I was at night at, at that. I, I was really in a weird place. And I was like, okay, I was felt a little lost, oddly enough. Like, I was like, what do I need to do like that? What's the next step here? Cause I feel like I've just kind of capped out with this. And I prayed or meditated, whatever you want to call it. I just let my mind kind of settle. And it was like the just clear as day. I, I these thoughts just popped in my head, and I wrote it down. 
and it said, climb, climb the mountain, drink from the fountain, go out into the wilderness. And when I wrote them down, I could just see it. It was like, yes, you have got, you've got to keep doing the work to climb this mountain. When you get there, you're going to get refreshment, but your job is not to stay here and drink from this fountain all day. You've got to collect that water and go back down the mountain and out into the wilderness. And by the wilderness, I just got the feeling that that was just the world. You just got to go back out in the woods and you're going to have to come back up the mountain again. And you're going to meet new people on the way and y'all are going to drink from the fountain. And then you know, guess what you get to do? You got to go back down the mountain. And so what you're talking about just makes me think of that night and how important that was. Cause I think of it when I feel like, Oh, this is getting hard or this, I don't know what to do next. I just go, Hey man, you might, you're either, you're either climbing the mountain or coming down from the mountain. I don't even know which anymore <laughs> you know? Yeah. on any given day, but I have to believe that that's, I'm in some stage in the cycle at all times. You know? God, that's beautiful. Well, that's beautiful. Know. And I think real quick, I think during quarantine for anyone who might be experiencing that during, especially for us, myself, us extroverts, um, the, during this time where, where this is so crazy. Every hour is an island. Mm. Every hour is its own mountain. So if wow. you experience one hour where you're climbing up the mountain and you're drinking and another hour where you're not, like that's that's you're not doing it wrong. That's just wow. how it is. That is powerful right there. Every hour is a mountain. Every hour. Right now for me that's how it feels. Yeah. It, it, my everyday life every day is its own mountain, but but right now because I'm home and I'm I'm uh, not in my normal environment. It feels like every every hour. It feels like every hour. Every hour. Well, look, you know, I just want you to know, I mean, I know this is, we, we had to plan this to connect, but you can always know you got an ally and hopefully consider me a friend out here so we can have these talks anytime you want to and we don't have to record them. This has been really good for me. <laughs> I've enjoyed this, honestly. Like, it's been refreshment. Really refreshment. Yeah. I always love talking to you. You're it's nice to be able to feel like you're in a safe space. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I get, I'm getting, I get a little, like you said, a little emotional. My, I've, my eyes have kind of felt the, the fountain a few times <laughs> as we've yeah. talked. Today. <laughs> this episode's fishing for goodies. Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. 
On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. Every other guest that I've done these remote podcasts with, we've actually done the fishbowl. So if you have a few more minutes, I'd love to dive in here and pull three questions and let's just let's see, what, see what's in the fishbowl. All right. Well, that's not that, – let me get, let me get a, a – down at the bottom of the well here. <laughs> There's stuff down here. I don't think people reach down deep enough sometimes. Oh, okay. This is good, actually, for you especially. I love this. Would you rather give up your smartphone or your computer? I saw your eyes when I said smartphone. I would rather give up my computer. Well, wait, pause. Hold on. Okay, I would rather give up my computer. Yeah. That's a difficult question because I I write more on my smartphone, but I polish my writing more on my computer. Yeah, yeah. Right? I hear but, you. I'm the same way. That's funny. Yeah, but um, I would have to give up because without the smartphone, there would be nothing to polish. Isn't that I'm interesting? Ever... Is that because you have pops of inspiration? Yes. Me too. It's not <sighs> even pops of inspiration. It's like something takes over me. And it happens without oh. me even being present, and then it leaves me just as quickly. How funny it is that? It leaves me almost the moment that I share it with anyone else. It leaves me. My spiritual director has pushed me and challenged me to stop sharing so much, so that way it doesn't leave me. But the extrovert in me struggles so deeply with that. God, I'm, I'm, working, a, I'm the I'm opposite. I'm an introvert. Yeah. You know, but it's funny because I know that feeling and that's partly why I prefer writing the initial thing on my phone because I've it's again getting back to that hot coal thing and it's just what you're talking about. It's inspiration. I mean the word inspire is to breathe, it's spirit. And I just think sometimes it does feel that way. It's like I have this writing tool, this modern writing tool, and mm -hmm. the spirit breath wind is blowing on the coal right now. And if I don't catch this then the tinder that is not going to catch a blaze and I have to do it. I just got to let it go, push it out there yep. and then polish it. Even yep. if I got to re-edit it a hundred times, I, I mean, it's of, of value to do that. So you hear that baby now or no, you can't hear yes, that. Yes, I hear him. Okay. He sounds so sweet. He's still at the point where his crying is not annoying. It's just like his crying, like moves your heart to like action. When yeah. he gets a little bit older, then we're all going to be aggravated. Oh, I know. He's just like, I'm, <laughs> it's like he wants something. Uh, he's got a little stomach trouble, but uh, he's been really good. I mean, we talked for almost an hour without him, you know, crying a whole lot. He was really just in my arm the whole time. Just chilling. Google, Google the five S's. The five S's. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. 
Google okay. that. It's like the happiest baby on the block or something. It's the five S's. It always helped my babies who were struggling when they were that little. I will. I'll do that today. That was yeah. a good question, though, Diana, for you about the phone and the thing. I love that you the way you framed it, because that could have been more like an addiction type question. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the way you framed it, it's like, no, it's actually just a tool to catch something that's important. I love that because this if it reframes technology, because I have been trying to do that the last year or so. Like I, I was one of those oh, technology, you know, it's ruining our world and let's get back to, <laughs> you know, eating off the earth and all that kind of stuff and living in teepees. And I've had to temper that because that's not the world we have. <laughs> I have to learn to use the tools right. we have. Um, okay, so here's your second question. What lessons did you learn this past year and how have you grown and improved? That's a big one. Oof. Oh my goodness, that's heavy. Well, okay. like pick one thing where you know you've seen like, oh, in a year, this has definitely been a, a shift. Um, what thing have I learned in the past year? I think... If I had to pick one thing, the, the the overarching theme of the thing I've learned this year um, is that – God, I'm trying to like – I guess I'm trying to say it in a way that I'm not going to get a whole bunch of heat for it. But I guess I'll just say it the way that Go I really it. experience it and just experience the heat if I get heat. Um, the thing I've learned the past year is that none of – what we're doing to reach God in order to um, experience God, to be worthy of God, to reach God uh, matters. And that sounds terrible. And I don't mean that it doesn't matter. I don't mean that you should just, that whatever, we should just throw the whole thing away and just lay down and die. I just mean that maybe we're underestimating God. Ah. And we think we have all of this power and we need to keep working. Mm. And, and this past year I've learned I've been I've learned that my job is to stop underestimating God. And that is an unfolding and that happens and it never ends. But um yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's a better way. Instead of saying it doesn't matter, the better way to say it is I've learned in this past year that we as a group and we individually tend to underestimate God and that the work is to trust and to believe in who he says he is a little bit more. Mm, I get that. It's interesting. It kind of makes me think of a conversation I had, honestly, in, in, in James Martin's thread, you know, and when it hit me that we don't, it gets, it gets back to what we started talking about, about changing and how it's good to change. I like to look back and go, oh, I learned something or I had new information and I modified my life and I'm becoming and in becoming eventually sometimes i look back and go oh i'm not that thing anymore i'm i'm not, am i better i hope so but right. i'm definitely different and it made me think about the church honestly and yeah. and all different structures like that and and when we we get very rigid and we go no i want to know the full answer so therefore i'm going to build a box and i'm going to put all the ornaments on it and it's done. It's complete. I've, the bow is on top, and here it is for the world. It's presented. But then I said, in the thread, I said, you know, I look, you look back and you don't see that. That's not what right. you see. You see evolution of a, of a religion. You see it unfolding. You see new churches build. You see some churches fall away. You see new orders. I mean, there was a time when there was no rosary, and now there is a rosary. There was a time when there wasn't this. There was a time when priests were married. There's all these things, that, and it's changed. So when we look back at it and we go, no, this is it. It is finished. 
right. that actually goes against the very nature of the doggone thing. And so I said, I wonder if, as humans, we're, we have lived these such short lives in, in, in time, in history, that, you know, we almost are like in dog years. But, yeah. the, but the church is maybe just crossing the threshold of being born. Mm, and we yeah. don't even, but, but we're going, oh no, it's a full grown adult. It's wise. It's yeah. old. Yeah. Old by whose standard? Right. It may be, it, it's just crowning. It's just <sighs> crowning. It's so not even true. out. It hasn't I even, so. it hasn't even breathed or cried yet. And we're sitting yeah. here saying it's done and we know it it's all. It's done. Don't even mess with it. Don't change a single thing. Yeah. And it's not even, it hasn't taken its and first it, breath. Yeah, and if we don't change anything, then it won't be born. We got to change so that it'll, it can be yeah, born. Yeah, I mean Man, that good. to me is a more beautiful idea. Not to say the things that there haven't been beauties, right? And, and treasures there are. I mean, great and ancient ones, but by whose standard? I mean, who's ancient? Who's standard? What's ancient? And by how are we gauging that as a human being that potentially could live sixty to ninety years? I right. mean, I don't know. I, I, I prefer, for me anyway, to believe that it's still becoming. If, as painful as that is. Right. So, yeah, I like that. Wow. Okay. Whew. Here we go. Last question. <laughs> Things I want but don't like to admit. Oh, gosh. Okay. It's a good That's question for all you. All the things. All the things <laughs> I want but don't want to admit. Um, okay. I want time every day to be this – is, this is what I do. And I'm going to say it, Orn. I'm going to say it. Say it. Because I love you so deeply. Okay. My favorite thing that I need every day is to be on my phone listening to a book. Uh, right now, I'm listening to um, Finding God in the Waves. Have you have you listened, read I'm that not, book? No, uh, but I will if you recommend it. Finding God in the Waves. It's this guy who was a uh, real quick. He was a uh, a Southern Baptist. He was a Southern Baptist, grew up Southern Baptist in a good, real, which he, he, he makes a joke, like in a real open, welcoming, not a godded fire brimstone, but like in a good, loving, accepting church, Southern Baptist, um, grew up real smart, super, super smart. And through science fell away from belief, became a closeted atheist for two years. And then through science, once again, uh, belief was born in a more mature but different way. Mm, interesting. And so very interesting book. Um, but so my favorite thing that I have to get – the thing that I need to get done every day, back to the question, is that I sit in bed every day for like an hour or two, listen to this book, and on my phone I watch videos of pimple popping. Really? While you that listen is- to the book? How <laughs> yes. fascinating. I would have because. not put. I did not know this is what you were going to say. I was going. What is she going to say? I can't believe because that's it. <laughs> if I just listen to the book, I'll fall asleep. Oh. So I okay. need to watch something that I find fascinating, and pimple popping just fits that for me. My friends have lovingly suggested to me that instead I watch something beautiful, like cake decorating or like nature. Yeah. But yet here I am Watching continuing that. to watch Blackheads. Have you seen that thing you can buy? I'm sure you have. I don't know if you just prefer to watch it, but they have like, it's like a bar of soap. It's like shaped. That doesn't do it for doesn't me, do it. Okay. I need the pimples. You got to watch them. Well, this bar of soap has little holes in it, though. Have you I've seen, seen it? it? It doesn't work. You got to actually it just watch work. it. Man. It needs to be 
oil glands filled wow. with dirt. Wow. And let me tell you something. It's funny because I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I cannot. I don't mind doing that. Like if one of my children has like acne or like something yeah. that needs to be done dealt with, that doesn't bother me. But yeah. I take no pleasure in it. And watching that, I it's funny because my sister, one of my sisters, loves that stuff. And I'm like, no, thank you. How funny that yeah. that relaxes you. I wonder what that is, though. I mean, psychologically, getting serious for a second. Like, is it something about seeing something re- pressure released? I mean, I always wonder, like, what is it that mm-hmm. is? Is there, like, something more the rupturing or the birthing of a thing? Like, oh, it's out. It's like a feeling. I don't know where it comes yeah. from. No, that, that that's definitely it. There's something like there there was this thing that was closed and you could see that it was kind of like it had a there was a bump. It wanted to be released so bad and then we released it and you get that over and over and over again. So that's my little every day. Wow. I, I am a happier person. So that's a thing. Uh, another thing that I I want that I'm scared or what was the question exactly? Um, thing that something want, that you want, but that you have kind of afraid to admit. Let me see if I yeah, can. Yeah. I'm, things I want, but don't like to admit. Okay. Another thing that I've felt during this time specifically that I want, but I'm scared to admit is how needy of a friend I am. Oh, like I am like friends talk to me because I'm, Ah. I'm extroverted in our little friend group. I would say probably there's like five of us, is there five, like five or six of us and two of us are extroverted and the other ones are introverts. And so me and my extroverted friend are like, talk to us, talk to us, talk to us. And I can feel that that might be, that's a lot right now. Yeah, no, it's true. I can see that. I mean, have y'all done anything but using technology, like had any video groups, like where y'all get together and all yes. visit? Okay. We've actually, my friend, my friend suggested that we start and we've been doing this, um, is, a uh, we're reading through the book of Matthew. Okay. Coming from the place of, uh, you know, like, what is this poem? Tell me about who Jesus is, like we talked about earlier. Uh, so we, we'll spend like two hours on the on video chat. The first hour is us complaining about our husbands and children and laughing and, <laughs> and catching up. And then the next hour is us, you know, talking about what the couple of chapters we read um, tells us about the poem about, like, what does this poem tell us about who Jesus is? So that's yeah. been very nice. But I am such an, like, I think I've told you this before. The like on the line of introvert to extrovert, I am probably the most extroverty extrovert there could ever be. <laughs> so the well of how much I need people to talk to me can, is impossible to be filled. So uh, yeah. even though we're doing the Bible study, that's not going to quite the. No. no, there's nothing. I mean, it's an unquenchable. Even whenever I'm out of quarantine, it's not quenched. So it's for sure not going to be quenched now. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I'm not an extrovert. Well, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to classify me anymore. I mean, I used to say I was introverted. Now I'm not so sure. I think I've come, as I've been reading some things, My well, let me back up, and I don't want to drag you, keep you on too much longer. I know you got a day to live, but... Uh, <laughs> Several months back, my wife and I, you know, I go through these sort of cycles of just like very stressed out and just frustrated with the world and the way things are and then people and it takes a lot for me to almost discharge. And those words were the way I've always talked about it. Like, I've got to get away and discharge this because it's, I feel like it's just even the podcast, I would go, I've had 20 conversations and I'm carrying around 20 people's stuff right now. Yeah. And then my wife would say something. Oh, I was like, she's like, that water looks so pretty. We'd be driving. She was out. It'd just be great to lay in a boat, you know, and feel the sun. And I would go, yeah, wouldn't it be wonderful to just be a 
a stick on the water and not have to feel anything. And she's like, "We, you always do that because you always say something like sort of like what I'm saying, but then you're using like some you're some kind of object like that has no thoughts and no feelings. You're a leaf. You're a that is relaxing to you. And I'm going, why does he do that for years? And so she was honestly worried about me. The truth of the matter is she was worried. She started reading like all the things she would write in all the things I would say. I had no idea she was doing this. Mm-hmm. And one day I was actually out in a, I was on my way to a meeting. Like literally I needed to discharge and I found like this field way away 30 minutes before. And I was just sitting there trying to discharge. And I get this text from her. She goes, I think you might be an empath. And I'd heard the word before. Uh, yeah, you think? And I was, I was like, what's an empath, you know? And she, like, starts sending me all these articles by Judy Orloff, I think. And uh, I started reading it. And as I went down that hole, I was like, oh, my God, these are all my symptoms. And I've lived like this my whole adult life. And mm-hmm. it's it's honestly torture. It's kind of torturous. It's a torturous existence because it's, like, feelings. And I don't know how to explain them. Well, I bought Judy Orloff's book, you know, and uh, it helped. It really has helped me, like, honestly, just through meditative visualizations to discharge some of that. So what I've come to believe is it wasn't that I was an introvert or even that I had social anxiety. Those were the symptoms. Right. I was avoiding large groups because they made me feel uncomfortable, not because I was shy, but because I couldn't walk through a room without... When it, without feeling everything that was in that room, I would have to go hide. I was hiding in the bathroom. I was making excuses to leave early. I would avoid parties. I'm not shy. I mean, I'm, I can see that I'm not shy because I'll talk to people openly about anything. So that that was a miscalculation for me to say that I was introverted, I think, all those years. It was just a symptom yeah. of, of being kind of, I guess, highly empathic and not in a cheesy, you know, crystal. And I don't mean to be no. little, not a cheesy kind of way, you know, like really there's something to that. There really is. I didn't oh, know yeah. that. I, I never took that. it seriously. You're, highly, you're That's like you're like if, if I'm on the extroverty extrovert of the line of whatever, you're highly empathic in that. Like, I'm sure you've heard the the metaphor, like the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're a canary in a coal mine, and you're, as Glennon Doyle meant, says it, you're, you're, you're paying attention in a way that, like, not everyone else can, can pay attention, yeah. and, and so it's exhausting to you, and everyone else says, dude, just chill out. And, yeah, and well, you impossible. Can't. You can't. No, you, you can't. You can't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I am it, not that at all. Really, at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, am the, I am the person that exhausts. And people like you, I am not that at all. I have a friend that is though. And, and, and so I've, I've been able to understand that a little bit more through her. It is interesting though. This kind of communication I have found for me is very healthy. Uh, Oddly enough, this distancing thing, this staying in touch with people and being able to see them. Like when I ask you questions, just being able to see your face, like, Oh, that's, I could tell like, Oh, that's a question right there. I want to answer or I have to think about. And it's nice to be able to do that. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily direct contact with your emotional energy or anything right now. So it feels healthier, oddly enough for me. I don't know why that is, but, uh, but I have learned in the last year to kind of protect myself to some degree. And so I've gotten better. I mean, it's kind of weird. I know it's probably, some people probably go, that's not real, but it is very real as somebody who's lived with that. I can tell you for sure. There's things you can definitely do to protect yourself and also choose when is the time to open up 
and feel someone's energy, you know, when it's really valuable to save that energy for those times when you can sense that somebody's really needs you to be open, you know? Yeah. Well, this has been I get that. just a great little morning. Thank you. No, thank you for asking. Yeah. Well, look, you know, we don't have to record if you ever want to chat. Um, we can yeah. set some time, just have a little, who knows how long this will go on, you know? I know. I'm kind of just. I know, and we can keep on just, if you find something that somebody says, like Father Jane, whatever, you send it over and I'll keep sending stuff over. Yeah. And we'll keep, yeah. And I'm going to remember something, my big takeaway, every hour, every hour is a mountain. Yeah. You know, with enduring times like this, just treat each take one hour at a time, one mountain at a time. You know, for sure. And maybe at the top of that hour, there might be a little fountain up there. Yeah, that you, we can go drink it and we can go share it. Yeah. All right, Diana. Thank you. Thank you, Oren. You have a good day. You too. I love you just as Thanks for listening to my Beacon Series conversation with Diana Vallette. If you found something of use in this conversation, consider helping me spread the good news by supporting Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. I thank you for pressing play.